It's been about four months, and I gotta say, the theme song, the new Lions theme song from John Page, John Page Music, it still gets me rocking. It still gets me ready to roar every single time. So, very excited today to, well, to be talking, to have talked past tense, future tense. It's all confusing in the podcast time warp here, but I actually spoke to today's guest several weeks ago. His name is Don the Pleb. He has a YouTube channel, Pleb Media. Of course, I say YouTube. Really, where you want to find him now is Rumble, uh, as, as I mentioned in the in the interview, because you know YouTube censors people like Don and, well, censors people like us. Uh, we, we got another YouTube strike a, a few weeks ago, and that's why I encourage you all to go ahead and subscribe to our Odyssey channel, because we will never be censored on Odyssey and our stuff will always be over there. So if you're ever looking for a video, looking for a YouTube, maybe we're shut down one week, maybe they remove something another week, fear not. It's all going to be over there on Odyssey. And uh, I've been on a little bit of an Odyssey myself these past few weeks. Took a little road trip across the country to take care of some things I had to take care of and got to meet a lot of people that I, I know in the uh, Liberty world. Jason Stapleton, who, of course, I'm, I've known for years. He lived in Los Angeles uh, when I was there. Got to meet up with him in Phoenix. Got to meet up with Buck Johnson of Counterflow, as well as Andrew from Popular Liberty, who you'll be hearing from right in this very spot in a couple weeks. And finally, I got to meet a guy named Brett, Brett Lindell, out there in Florida, connected to him uh, through Tho Bishop. And I got to say, great guy. I'm not going to get into his story because I'm going to let him tell it. He's going to be a guest on Lions Liberty sometime in the next few weeks. And always just really emphasize how much and look, I've already met Buck before, met Jason before. I was meeting Andrew and Brett for the first time, but really meeting people face to face, shaking those hands, really getting to know someone with, a, in the case of Brett, you know, we had a, a three or four hour conversation. Uh, that's how you really get to know someone. That's how you really get to make connections. And that's what Liberty people need to be doing more of in their own lives, uh, in their communities, etc. And less of the, here comes the hypocritical moment, less of the talking about everything online. Of course, that's what I'm doing here on Lions Liberty, but I'm encouraging you to also get out in person, shake those hands, meet people, because uh, that's how you make progress. That's how you build bridges, etc., etc., so on and so forth. Before we get into today's interview with Don the Pleb, I want to remind you, well, I'm not going to remind you about the first thing. Just going to warn you, there is a little, what is a little bit of an uh, uh, issue with his audio uh, in the beginning. He had a little bit of a mic thing that we just couldn't figure out. Uh, it is a little bit jarring at first, but trust me, it does get better. And the content is so fucking golden that you're going to forget about it anyway. So just be, be, be warned but stick through it. You will, you will not regret it. Also, don't forget you could have seen this, heard this, all of that stuff live. Had you only supported Lions of Liberty on Patreon, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, where we have all sorts of tiers. You can get on monthly calls with Brian and John and myself. You can produce an episode of the show, the Nittany special every single month. There are so many options over there on Patreon. And if you want a more simple, less Patreon-y option, check us out on locals at lionsofliberty.locals.com. That being said, I have talked quite enough, I think. It is now time to hear from Don the Pleb. All right, my guest today is the owner, the operator, the host, whatever you want to call him, over at Pleb Media. His name is Don. He is Don the Pleb. Don, are you ready to roar? 
I am ready to roar. You know what? I'm I'm not gonna because hopefully I won't break the mic this time. What can I say? <laughs> well, Don, uh, you have been roaring for quite some time. That that you've been, uh, been mostly on YouTube, and uh, I wanted to talk to you because you're one of the many. I would say, well, maybe not one of the many, but one of the <laughs> very coherent and entertaining voices uh, on the right side of politics. I would say, and you could take the term right either way there, I suppose. But uh, I've really been enjoying what I've been seeing from you lately. Uh, so I'm happy to have you here. And why don't we just start with, I guess, the Don the Pleb origin story. I presume you weren't just Don the Pleb from birth. So what actually got you here? What led you into the realm of politics and how did Don the Pleb come to be? So uh, I grew up in California, which is the uh, it's like Disneyland, but backwards. It's the worst place on Earth. And uh, I very early in life started to notice that uh, stupid people in Sacramento were making my life miserable. and I didn't like it. And so I started, uh, I, I was a giant political dork from like teenage years, you know, uh, for those that remember when fark.com got created, I was reading that from the beginning. And then I started looking at the comments there and I was like, how do you people read these stories every day and not come to the conclusion that all of this is terrible policy? <laughs> like, we do stuff. Everything gets screwed up. Do more stuff. Can we just stop? <laughs> and, uh, then I spent some time out in the working world in California and that sucked balls. Uh, you know, all the, all the stuff that people talk about these days, like, Oh, there's all these classes and they're all stupid and it's all about diversity. I'm like, yeah, I've been doing that since like 2001. Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty goddamn terrible. You go to work and, you know, I worked at Intel, like the chip manufacturer for a while Mm -hmm. and they had all their, it was during their, you know, don't be a suit campaign. And so everybody's walking around in jeans and t-shirts and they're like, yeah, man. So like the next step of this is, is we get to, and they, they're basically talking uh, affirmative action. Right. And that's going to make Intel great. Like what the hell does that have to do with anything? Like the black guy that works next to me is pretty cool, but do we just, do you have like a stock of him? Is that, (laughs) if you do, why didn't you hire them? What am I doing here? And on and on it went. And then I, you know, uh, went through some other crazy nonsense, did a bunch of construction work around that time, uh, joined the Marine Corps, spent a handful of years there, uh, blowing stuff up. I, you will still often hear me talk about cannons and, uh, war things that are going on. I am a giant contrarian, apparently, uh, in so far as I have no belief in the world that people with an artillery unit of any variety are actively leveling cities when they're still city standing, because that's not how artillery works, uh, nor bombs, nor any vaguely modern military. <laughs> uh, and anyhow, I, I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, and then um, I ended up with a podcast because I, I went from you know, sleeping like four to six hours a night for about four years to not having anything to do with all that time. Uh, Cause when you're in the Marine Corps, they're like, Oh, we could work you 20 hours a day. Yes. Right. And so you get used to being up this long. So I'm, I'm scrolling through, you know, riots are happening back in the 2012 to 2014 era. I'm watching them live. I'm reading the news articles about them. Like this propaganda crap is bullshit. This is not what's happening at all. My wife one day goes, I swear to God, if you don't find someone else to talk to, like, we're going to get a divorce. All right. Like, I don't want to divorce you, but you, you need to get the fuck out of here. Talk to somebody else. Right. I'm like, All right. I know this well. Right. A very similar origin story uh, from my, my rantings during my 
young impressionable Ron Paul years. So that, that pretty much led to this podcast as well. Yeah. And so uh, I, I called up a friend of mine who uh, had a bunch of free time, and I was like, "Well, man, you want to do like a podcast, like talk about the uh, talk about politics and stuff?" And he was like, "Yeah, what the hell? Why not?" Um, and then I think he burned out pretty hard, is what it came down to. It was like, "Dude, you have no idea how depressing this is." And I was like, "I sit across from you. I know exactly how depressing this is." <laughs> And so podcasting is a burn. Like you better fucking love doing it or you're going to burn way the fuck out really fast. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's, and for the people who do it, uh, there, there was a while there I was doing, uh, five days a week, um, an hour every morning, plus like one to three interviews a day. Um, and I was like, all right, we gotta, gotta turn the volume down on this just a hair. (laughs) Like that cannot be a thing. And so, uh, you know that and then for a while there uh after i i had been just talking about politics and, and news and what have you for a bit um i started going to protests and uh filming those and going to protests is wild uh if if i wasn't getting old and starting to break down i'd probably still be doing it but uh sadly age comes for all of us so these days i'm back to just talking about it uh that and and strategy because i think the right just sucks balls at politics um and look if you're if you're listening to this and you're 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 a political strategist and you're like you just don't get it i'm like well you know what i know what losing looks like and, <laughs> and we're pretty good at that <laughs> so yeah and losing not just in the sense of one election or the last election or something i mean look at the last hundred years it's like losing the entire culture losing the education losing them is losing at every single level oh yeah uh, existential wow hello plane uh yeah existential losing you safe like, over I, there? <laughs> yeah, well you know it's all relative <laughs> i don't see hrt so we should be good but yeah losing in like an existential sense like uh you know the if you went back to even the the open political figures who are always kind of milk toasty on the right. But if you went back to the open political figures of the nineties and you, you told them what was going on today, half of them would have a heart attack and die right then and there. They just, you, what? What? You're doing what to children? We're, yeah. What's the inflation rate? Oh my God. <laughs> even just the, the inflation rate they admit. Mm. I mean, that's the one they admit is shocking. Not the, I mean, the real one is we don't, I mean, Oh doesn't take take too many trips to the grocery store to know that the real one is, is a lot higher than the reported one. Oh yeah, uh, right at right around the time they started going, oh yeah, inflation's happening because there was that that period of time where uh, you know oh, inflation's not happening. Uh, the right is just making this up, right? And right about the time that the, you started to get articles that were like, okay, maybe inflation's happening. My wife comes home from like forgot stuff at the store shopping trip. And is just staring at this receipt and is like, what the f- is going on? And I'm like, what? She's like, I bought nothing and it was like 45 bucks. And I'm like, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you live with me. You had to know the inflation was coming. She's like, well, yeah, but I mean, don't you watch like, my videos? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, I, I mean, it's going to be the same thing it always is. And I hate to sound so apathetic about it because it's going to be terrible. Right, uh, make no mistake. But you want to know what inflation looks like? Go back and watch that video of Venezuelans beating the counter death with shovels. That's what it looks like. You know, at least this much. Man, I I, I hope we don't have actual. <laughs> I hope I don't see actual cows being beaten to death in the street. But I mean, yeah, I I took a trip to Florida. I'm over here in Mexico right now, where 
I wouldn't say inflation's hitting me too hard, uh, but this stuff all does trickle across the world. But I, I took one trip to Florida uh, a few weeks ago, and same kind of thing. Like we're, we were there for three days, so we were not, and we had an Airbnb without a stove, so we were not. This is not a major shopping trip. We bought like a couple things to eat for an Airbnb for like two days. That like this kind of stuff you can just like make in the microwave or open a bag of, and it was like we spent like eighty five dollars, and I'm like, this used to yeah. be like two. This should be two weeks of eating well. Like, what what is this? And I, we literally bought like like you just like you said with your wife, we bought fucking nothing. <laughs> like literally yeah. almost nothing. Hey, it's uh, so I feel kind of bad for this because when when I was a kid, right, get off my lawn. Uh, but when I was a kid. We'd uh, just just moved out of my house. You know, I'm living in a two bedroom apartment with like three other guys, right? Because we're all working crap jobs in an expensive city, and it sucked. Um, but a friend of mine and I, we we just go through the couch and pull out like quarters and go to the dollar store and go, all right, that's that's a bag of pasta. That's uh, I don't know. It says hamburger. Must be just close enough. Uh, where's where's the uh, pizza sauce? They've only got pizza sauce. Boom. And it goes, all right, like that's like three fifteen. That's food for two days, you know. Right. And inflation at the rate that it's going, man. I, I hope you got fifties in that couch. <laughs> it's just not gonna be a feasible thing to live that way in any sense, you know. Um when I first moved to LA in like in like two thousand four, that that we we would do the same thing. We would do the dollar store. Like it's Friday night, we're broke. Uh, let's see how much change we got. And like literally four or five dollars we could buy because they'd have these little, not even that little. Like I think they were like a liter boxes of wine for literally at the dollar store. Couple of those, whatever other like you know three for a dollar beers we can afford. We're off to the races. I don't think that's possible anymore. Even at, even oh, at the no. dollar store because I don't think the dollar store well, is really a dollar now, or the, or you get way less stuff or something. Yeah, a bunch of them are like a buck fifty now, and I was like, kind of defeats the purpose of calling it the dollar store, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And but, buck forty nine store just doesn't have the same ring. It doesn't, but at the rate we're going, it's going to be the hundred dollar store by the time you know we retire. Hey, I just found this hundred bucks in my couch. Want to want to go grab a couple beers? Right, hey, that's that's no joke. You know, I, I found a hundred dollar bill on the side of the road once when I was a kid. Well, when I was yeah eighteen. Right, nineteen, something like that. I was walking home from work because that age, right? And I, I'm like, oh, I'm rich. And at this point, I'm like, yes, I got groceries till Friday, you know, <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> Maybe I can eat tonight. Do you find like in your interactions with other voices on the right or, or whatever you whatever interactions you may have with others on the right that? Yes, there's like this outrage probably about the inflation directing a lot of it towards Joe Biden, you know, but do you you think that a lot of people on the right understand inflation from like the technical aspect and really understand where it comes from? Or is it just Biden's in power now? So derp de derp. Yeah, big this guy bad. But as soon as we change power, they won't, you know, make make the same connections. Do you think they actually get the the root cause of all this? At this point, I'm pretty sure basically everything is a propaganda war. Right. Um, because if you want to get really technical about the inflation that we're getting right now, about 50% of it's Obama inflation, right? We're, we're finally getting money out of the money markets as it trickles back in from the 08 subsidization. And that's really right? scary. That's finally happening. Right. Uh, and so some of this is, you know, a, a decade in preparation uh, to get here. And it just started in the past couple of years. Um, this is where you see, you know, like the Black Rocks and things 
turned all of that money that they had sitting in stocks into actual property. There's a bunch of inflation that happens when that happens, right? Because you're you're sort it's like uh, you know, the somebody the other day, you know, some Sal or something, the argorist is like, you know, buy Coke because uh cocaine because uh you know they they bury the money and they lose ten percent of it to rats. And so you're you're creating deflation if you buy drugs. And I was like, funny, but you know, not really. The the reality of it being buried in the ground is much more important to deflation than uh whether or not they're losing ten percent of it to rats, because it's not in circulation. Mm-hmm. Now you you it, it is effectively non existent until they buy something. And so when you you know if you want to talk about whether or not people understand inflation, nobody anywhere is talking about how you know coming up on fifteen years ago now uh, when all the economists said, "Hey, look, what Obama's doing is relatively smart. You're not going to feel this for at least a decade, and when it kicks in, no one is going to remember that this happened." And they were dead balls on right. Nobody remembers that we pumped thirty trillion dollars into the economy fifteen years ago, right? Uh, and so what you get now is oh, but the stimulus passed yesterday, right? And that is doing all the heavy inflation. Mm -hmm. Well, look, you don't have to like this, but when Democrats do inflationary things, they give it to big corporations and tell the big corporations to hang on to it, pay their bills in a very direct sense, but only to other major corporations. And they do that for a reason. They know damn well inflation's coming, but you don't feel it until it hits the general market. And when it hits the general market, they're just hoping the other side is in charge, right? Because, by the way, if Trump had won a second term, we'd still be getting this Obama inflation. Yeah. Now, presumably the economy would be doing better, so it wouldn't hit quite so hard, but still, we get it. And if you had plotted 16 years from the time Obama got, you know, uh, put all this into effect, what you'd find is that the second term of a Republican president would be getting a lot of inflation. And then they could go, oh, it's your fault, right? <laughs> I mean, they're not stupid. Um, no matter how much they pretend to be, no matter how much we act like they are, they get what they're doing. It's almost like they um, they they predict based on normal political cycles, and they say, "All right, this is going to hit in ten years." Let's say do the math. Yeah, there's, it'll probably be in the second term of a Republican by then. But of course, Trump right. threw everything to a mix, and then they decided, "Well, we can't we can't do four more years of this, so we got to have a whole new. We got to fortify some things, I guess." Exactly, and so um, you know, it, when in, and dear dear all of the right wing. I I love all of your autism. I really do. I love how right you are about everything, and you really are. Uh, on the other hand, when you come out to Obama and you say, "We're not going to feel this for ten years," you know what he hears? I'll be out of office. Good luck. It, <laughs> you know, and guaranteed that guy was sitting back and he had his own economist go, "We could probably string this out, you know, ten years if we do it this way." Right. And, and again, they already know the Soviet Union did a bunch of stuff like this where they just delay it for a while so you wouldn't connect the two ideas and on and on. Right. And so he, you know, they, they back of the neck in math and they go, OK, we're proposing this. And then all the right wing economists come out and do all the work for him and go, oh, see, you can chart through all of this. Right. And they go, cool. We were right on the money. I, <laughs> you know, I want to go back to. Uh- you know, as you were kind of coming up covering protests in, I think you said 2012, 2013 times, as you saw Donald Trump emerge as a just, you know, first flirting with the idea of running for president, I think a lot of people just kind of gave it the, yeah, all right, sure. And then running for president, I think you still got a lot of that. All right. Yeah, whatever. But then at some point, 
it becomes a serious thing and then a real thing and then the realest thing. So a lot, when you were kind of coming up in, during those times, what was, what were your first thoughts, your initial thoughts about Donald Trump and how did those evolve as you saw him ascend all the way to the presence presidency and beyond? I don't know wherever he is now, wherever, whatever we call that, whatever he is. <laughs> um, when Trump first said he was running for president, uh, I, I think I was in a roughly the same boat as a lot of people where uh, this was, um, a PR stunt, right? And I, I halfway think that sort of the way Trump does things is this was a hedged bet, in his opinion, right? Run for president, even if I don't win, I ran for president, right? Uh, and so it's good for the name, it's good for the brand, blah, blah, blah. If I win, well, it's good for the name, it's good for the brand. Uh, and I, I think the the other side of that coin was, um, you know, things are screwed up. And I it, at least I'm willing to take a swing at it. Uh, I probably the only time you will ever hear me say this, I think Shapiro was right when he said that Trump thought he was going to walk into office and the Senate and the House were just going to give him bills and he was going to wave the magic pen. Uh, like and he'd be the CEO were, and everyone would just do whatever he commanded and that would be that. Right. You know, and and they, he would he would go out and say, we should do this because it will make America great. And then the lawyer people would go handle all the actual law writing and then he could just you know, sign on the dotted line and be done. Um, I don't think, and in fact, I think the more you go back and look at his first year, the more you will find out he was not at all ready for uh, the absolute war that a lot of the U.S. government was willing to lay at his feet. Um, in the world of when did it get serious? Uh, the, I think the second debate, uh, the second Republican debate, he went from decently even numbers with everybody to just way out ahead. Uh, and at that point, I think it, it, that was about the moment that he became like, she's probably going to win. I mean, it was him and Rubio uh, and Cruz for about nine seconds. And then Rubio fell off because he sucks. Um, and then after that, it was it was just him and Cruz and Rubio spent most of his time trying to knock Trump out. And I went, mm, that's not good. No. People hate you. You should you want Trump out. You should just shut your mouth, <laughs> you know, or or support him. Right. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was right about then uh, I got a, I started getting calls from family members um, and, and friends and things going. Have you heard what Trump is saying? And I went, yeah, I've heard what Trump is saying. I mean, like this, this is. You know, I've been doing this for years. What are you talking about? Have I heard what Trump is saying? Well, you, do you know I have no. this YouTube chat? Do you not do you not know that this is what I do anyway? Right, right. You know, and and they're uh, they're all like, well, but you know, he cares about the southern border, and you know, China's terrible, and and we should, you know, he's saying all the right things. And I went, well, that's about half true, right? You know, he is a lot of the emotional rhetoric is great. Uh, a lot of the policy rhetoric is like, um, but okay, he's willing to go to the mat against people who are waging ele- uh, 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 economic warfare against us. All right, I'm in. Uh, he's interested at, you know, and, and think, oh, they're, they're not sending their best rapists and thieves. Well, yeah, when MS-13 is crossing the border whenever they feel like it, that's true. You know, <laughs> like it or not, it's true. And so, yeah, it'd be a good thing to get that under control. I'm with you. Um, after that, though, what exactly is it that Trump is proposing that you like? And nobody knew, right? 
And I went, okay, so we're, we're doing that again. I don't know, but right, he's where... hilarious. So whatever. <laughs> mm. He's got a couple good points and he makes me laugh. What more do I need to know? I guess. Is what it looks and like. whether, again, whether anybody likes it or not, I think Donald Trump likes this country, right? I, I think he likes the premise of the country, the, the existence of it. He probably is thankful for what it has, you know, it has done for him and or allowed him to do take whichever phrasing appeals to you best. Uh, I think he does actually support uh, the military, which if you're talking to Republicans is, is money in the bank every time. Um, and specifically that you're not uh, jerking people around. Right. Um, and I, I think that was all pretty well demonstrated throughout the years uh, that he was president. And th- that was about the only other thing that anybody had is, well, he actually cares about the troops. Right. And I went mm, easy to say, we'll see how it works out. And sure enough, I think he does. Um, but after that, nobody had any idea what they wanted out of him. And I think that's really the problems. All of the problems that everybody has with Trump. Uh, well, the left doesn't count. They're not people, but <laughs> everybody else, right. All the problems they have with Trump come from nobody knowing what they wanted. Right. Cause Trump was, believe it or not, probably the only president in my lifetime that was responsive to his base. If, uh, if Twitter got pissed off at him, uh, specifically his base of Twitter got pissed off at him, he would shift gears. It's just on the fly. Oh, nope, we're not doing that anymore. And that's not, you know, the, the only other thing I can think of that's even kind of like that is uh, Bush Jr. said, we're doing amnesty. And there were like nationwide protests. Uh, and he went, mm, maybe we're not doing amnesty. <laughs> um, other than that, though, you know, nobody listens to the base. Nobody cares. Like, ah, you got me in office. I got four years. At the end of the four years, I'm going to come back and tell you how I'm going to do all this other stuff for you uh, that I'm not going to do. <laughs> the <laughs> only other that. thing I, I can think of that, well, seems similar in, in a sense is when they were, I think it was around 2011, that they were whole hog ready to go to Syria after Assad because of the, the chemical weapons attack. And Obama even gave a speech like, if he crosses the red line, here we go. And then there was just, I guess, I don't know if it was from his base or what, but it does seem that there was enough sort of kerfuffle about it that he did back down from that. My, and th- this is going to seem like I'm just a partisan hack, and that's fine. No, please. Feel free to think so. Hack away. Um, but my, my estimation of Obama is that he, well, he's a, a decent enough talker, but not a guy to be there when the meat meets the metal on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's easy enough to say, there's a red line and, uh, you can't cross it. (laughs) But the moment you got to do something, there's real consequences to doing something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and he's a guy who avoided consequences like the play. Um, you know, he, he'd go out there and just say ridiculously stupid things all the time. But, uh, the moment anyone tried to pin him down on, Oh, I, I, I found out about that. On the news, just like you. Like, <laughs> bro, it's in your White House. Like, how, what do you mean you found out about it? Lois Lerner was just like sitting on your lap yesterday. You, did, you had no idea? Really? None? Uh, and so, given that his foreign policy was basically like Biden's, this, this uh, you know, we, we lead from behind soft-spoken kind of BS, and no, I'm not some massive neocon or anything. But if you're going to tell people Hey, if you do this, we're going to shoot you in the face. You better shoot people in the face because otherwise people don't believe. Mm -hmm. Right. And 
you don't get to just go make threats like that and then just leave them on the table. And people like Obama are perfectly happy to do that. People like Biden are decently well happy to do that. So the only thing um, that has my hopes up that we don't get nuked is <laughs> hopefully he's full of bluster and just the minute. When you look at Trump's foreign policy, like what you mentioned there, that you think he really does like the troops. And I think, you know, he's, he's certainly not a, a peacenik by any means. There was uh, wards and, and drones raging all around the world while Trump was president, uh, including the funding of everything going on in Yemen. But it does seem that when it comes to literal American troops, he was very reluctant to have them do really anything at all. Uh, even the few military actions he took were always missiles or drones or what have you. But he really did seem to want nothing to do with actually invading a country or using the military in, in any kind of aggressive manner. So uh, he did do a few things, uh, boots on the ground things. Um, you know, I, I know the guy that was shooting the battery that shot uh, the barrel off the cannon, right, in Syria. Um, I, I know the guy that was in charge of that. And I, friend of a friend, uh, I know him personally, that, that guy personally, but friend was talking to him and asked him, you know, well, when... You know, 2009, I was in Afghanistan, uh, and the rules of engagement were just garbage, right? It was, you know, you, you couldn't, you basically had to be dead before you were allowed to shoot back, uh, in, unless you wanted to get court-martialed, which seems ridiculous, but that's really about how it was. And so he called him up and he said, what were the rules of engagement like? And uh, the, the guy that was shooting the battery said, the rules of engagement were win. You know, if you're going to go, go all the way. And that is exactly what we got told on the way is if they call for fire support, blow something up. If you see guys with weapons charging you down, um, you know, don't just waste random people, but if they're rushing your position, kill them, which if you're going to send the military out to do something, that's how you need to send. Them. Now, again, you can think I'm a giant warmonger or something, but in the end, you're telling a bunch of guys to go 10,000 miles away from where they live and put themselves in danger. It would be okay if, like, the vast majority of them came back. Now, you can argue whether or not whether they should be there. That's fine. But once you put them there, don't make them die for nothing, right? And in the world of caring about troops, that is the kind of thing as president where it's no longer, uh, you know, once someone has their leg blown off, then you're allowed to shoot, right? Uh, and it's the same thing you'd want in your own front yard, right? Like, if there's a guy running in your front yard and he's he's shooting your house with a 12 gauge and you're like well he hasn't hit me yet so i guess it doesn't matter until he blows my kneecap off he's he has not violated the the non-aggression principle so i I will refrain exactly right and so when you you talk about you know caring about troops uh troops have a very different view of this than most people right because um you know no, no matter what anybody tells you the vast majority of of everybody who's ever been in the military is not there uh, because Assad used chemical weapons, right? Like, couldn't give a shit less, right? Uh, I'm here, one, because I was ordered to be here, two, because that guy's here, and that guy's coming home, and I'm making sure that that guy next to me is doing okay. Um, and when you get down to actual shooting, that's what it always is, right? Uh, and so when you go down and you say, okay, that guy next to you, you're allowed to shoot someone in the face to make sure he doesn't die. Everybody's happy, right? Everybody on the ground there is happy. And it's not a thing that, you know, for the Obama years, which is when I was active duty, um, it's not a thing that you got, right? It was, it was very much, your life doesn't matter any, 
And it was very clear that your life didn't matter. All right, gang. Well, you know what else is very clear? That is how much you need to get your hands on some of the incredible CBD products from our friends, Carlos and Vanessa Abelar at Paloma Verde. You can find them at palomaverdecbd.com. These are two wonderful people, Liberty lovers. I've been on Carlos's show too, Los Libertinos. Check that out as well. But these guys are a, uh, you know, a small family business that are providing an excellent product. So isn't that something you don't want to support? And let me tell you about CBD. If you're working out of the gym, if you're anything like Ian, working that hard, my God, you probably have some aches and pains, some sore muscles, some knots, and that sort of thing. Man, I get this terrible knot in my uh, my upper right shoulder. And the CBD salves, like nothing helps this thing. Like nothing helps this thing. The CBD salves actually from Pomoloma Verde actually did calm it down. And boy, eat a little, couple of those gummies. The gummies are freaking delicious. They're almost too delicious would be my only my only criticism. The gummies are too so delicious that you almost just want to sit there and eat the whole thing. And you really shouldn't do that. Although you would be okay because the great thing about CBD, it, it does not knock you out. It doesn't really make you loopy or anything like that. Uh, it is the non-psychoactive portion of the marijuana plant. So you're not going to get high or anything like that, but it is going to help with inflammation, uh, helps you relax a little bit, helps with stress. So I highly recommend checking out palomaverdecbd.com, not just because they're a sponsor of the show, but also because we have a tremendous discount for you, a 20% off discount and free shipping for any order over $75. All you got to do, put some delicious products. They might not all be delicious. Sometimes some of them just go on your skin. You know, um, you order some great products, some great CBD products from palomaverdecbd.com, put in your discount code ROAR, R-O-A-R, ROAR, and get 20% off that order plus free shipping. So head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Do not forget that discount code ROAR at checkout. How is something like that? I mean, like, what's the difference in the way they communicate to the troops or about missions that that sends that message so you know clearly as you saw it? So rules of engagement are a big one because they're set directly by the White House, right? Um, now, no White House is going to come down and be like, commit war crimes, do whatever the hell you want, rape babies, right? That's not going to happen. But nobody wants that anyway, right? Um, it, but if it's, look, you're fighting a war, so go fight a war, please, right? That's, that's a big deal. Um, and there, there's some other things. Um, you know, you're, you need to go take stuff with nothing is sort of just rules of war, right? Um, but hey, we're actually going to get you stuff is a big deal. And I, I know some guys who are coming up on like 20 years in now and they're going, you know, th- those four years I had, I had more of what I needed than I've ever had in my entire career the whole time. Uh, you know, we, we asked for stuff and yeah, it took time and yeah, giant military bureaucracy, but you got it. Right. Uh, and that was, that's just not how the military works. Uh, generally speaking, you know, I, when I was in, I put in a, a requisition for, and this is, this is, I'm not making this up. Uh, It's a little plastic square and it plots where you are on a map. And uh, I got told in about 2008 that I could have one about 2015. Uh, Seriously, it's just a little piece of plastic. And uh, I was talking to some guys trying to get gear, you know, during the Trump era. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's uh, you will have it in your hand 100% within six months, which probably sounds ridiculous to the civilian world. But that's like instant as far as the military is concerned. Um, On top of that, though, you know, is nobody... uh, I watched Obama speak while I was in, 
And that guy did not give a shit about anybody in the room. And it was pretty clear. Uh, he came down to talk to us about how uh, America was changing. And, and that was such a great thing. And all of us were like, mm, pretty sure we enlisted for the country that like was, you know, yesterday. And uh, Trump would come down. Um, and you can watch video of this everywhere. The guy actually sat, hung out with, talked with troops. Um, you know, and it's usually, it's going to sound really gay, but it's really little stuff, right? Like the, uh, the, the hat blows off that Marine standing there in front of uh, yeah. Air Force One. And Trump just walks over, picks it up, puts it back on his head, right? Now, I knew guys who did uh, Marine security guard things, right? And they talk about when Obama was there and your job mostly was to get the hell out of his way because he didn't have time for you. And that was that. Uh, didn't take questions really. Um, when, like when he came to the base and, and talked to us, uh, you know, he, he would stand there so you could take pictures with him. You were not allowed to ask him things. And it's pretty clear. That's not what the rules were when Trump went to go visit troops. You know, he's in among them. He's hanging out with them, uh, all kinds of stuff. And it, it makes a difference, right? It's, uh, it, it's small and it's stupid, but it's, uh, you know what? You really do give a damn. Uh, just that little amount. You Just enough that, uh, yeah, you'll probably still order us to go you know, do something crazy, but that's our job. That's what we signed up for. But it'd be nice if uh, you didn't think of us as, as just something to throw into a meat grinder until you got what you wanted. And it's... It's, I don't know, it's difficult to describe. <laughs> I think it speaks to Trump's just understanding of human nature. And he's always been someone who's been able to get his way. But he, I think, especially in the business world, maybe because much of his time was spent in the business world, as opposed to in politics, where maybe you can just get your way by just barking the orders over and over. And, you know, everyone beneath you has to do what you tell them to. But when you're coming up in the business world for 30, 40 years, whatever it is, yeah, the little things do count because that's how you relate to people. And in real life, people do respond to the little things you do for them because that's what people actually notice. So it makes perfect sense that he would, whether it's just strategic or he really is, you know, not as much of an arrogant, aloof asshole and does actually care about the troops in some way, shape or form. Either way, it ultimately has the same effect. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the output is very similar. There's there's a reason that, you know, uh, the media was very angry about that Humvee flying a Trump flag. And it's not because those guys didn't think Trump cared. <laughs> Don, I want to why don't we just keep traveling here through the timeline, through through the continuum of, of the, la the last decade sure, sure. or so. Um, and I, obviously, uh, we all know the last year and a half or two years of whatever it was, I guess, it was just last year of the Trump presidency. Some things got a little weird uh, in, in the world. So what were your thoughts when this COVID shit just started coming in? Not just obviously we all we all have been through these whispers of, oh, there's a flu somewhere in China. Watch out. And then we you know see on the news for three weeks and, and we just move on. We don't think it's going to affect our lives in any way. And then this happens and it's just the exact opposite, the most extreme response you could ever imagine. And, you know, especially in the realm of like U.S. politics, there was a lot of this is all just to take Trump out. Um, I, I think that, I think there is a bigger agenda than just, you know, dealing with Donald Trump behind it. But I'm, I want to go back to what what were your thoughts when you saw all of this unfolding, not just the sniffing of a disease, but then the response, seeing the lockdowns and everything that was coming down, which which did initially happen under Trump. I told people the lockdowns were coming. 
And uh, whenever you whenever you say something like that before it happens, everyone and their brother goes, "Shut up, crazy person!" Right? Uh, and I said, "Look, you know, I, I lived through swine flu, I lived through bird flu, and they were absolutely nothing, right? Nobody, you know, it, it wasn't a big deal. We all we all lived, we all moved on. It wasn't, you know, world ending. But during that time, they were proposing mask mandates. They'd already come for healthcare workers." Um, you know, during cold and flu season, they already had to wear masks at all times uh, if they weren't getting vaccines, right? And this was, uh, look, people, they they lay the groundwork for you. They telegraph really hard. They'll tell you what they're going to do in the future, um, and they'll they'll spoon feed it to you for a while, and then all of a sudden, they'll crank it down real hard. And I started watching people uh, freak out over the video that was coming out of China. And the moment you have that panic, that's when you can ratchet down real hard. And I went, you, you people need to stop, right? One, it's the Chinese government. They're, they're totalitarian wackos that hate people. So when you ask me, why would they be nailing people into buildings? Well, because they're the Chinese government and they don't give a damn, right? And if they think there's any utility in doing this, they'll do it, right? Because people don't matter to them at all. And, uh, I got, you know, some people in my chat and stuff that were really upset with me. They were like, well, man, but like I had COVID and you can feel it coursing through your veins, man. Like, I'm not making that up. Someone actually told me. I was like, no, you can't. That's all in your head. You need to relax. (laughs) You may be sick, but you are not feeling it coursing through your veins. Thanks. Right. It's it's not the the stuff that they, uh, you know, kill people in the gas chamber with or anything. Just relax. All right. And it was, no, Don, you don't understand how bad it is. And I I understand how bad it's going to get. Right. You don't stop this. Um, You know, one, Trump responds to the base. So when the whole country's freaking out, he's going to go, we got to do something. And you know who's going to be there to do something? All these people that you hate. Right. All of you who are coming to me and talking about how I need to talk about the deep state more, which at the time was a thing, you know, was uh, Don, you you just turn the entire show into like deep state, you know, 101 to 300. I was like that. No, no one has that attention span. No, Um, I don't even have that attention span. And I've been reading about him for, you know, 15 years. So, no. Uh, and right, just on a dime, the whole country turned and went, uh, you know, CDC, please rule my life. And I went, you hated these people two weeks ago. What are you doing? Right. Um, and there were people uh, on, you know, the, the very dissident kind of right that I said, you know, look, you need to stop. You need to go actually examine facts and figures. And I got ruthlessly mocked for quite a while because I, you know, you're a crazy person and the lockdowns happen. And a couple of people started giving me side-eyed glances like, well, how'd you know? And I went, because they told you, they told you 10 years ago, they told you five years ago, you know, they told you it was coming and no one, you know, the, the country has never been this freaked out about a virus before. Right. Uh, and the freak out's what you need. And then it was, well, yeah, but it's only two weeks, bro. Shut up. And I went, if this ends in two weeks, I will end my show. I will eat this hat live on TV or, you know, live on YouTube as the last thing that I do on the internet. I, you will never even hear of me in a comment section again. Oh, yeah. Well, like you'll do that. And I went, okay. Now you put up. Go ahead. Tell me, what, tell me what's happening. It goes the other way. Uh, then we started getting the Italian figures and everybody's talking about, mm-hmm. oh, they're See, it's killing everybody. And I went, you don't know anything about Italy. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, Have you seen I mean, like, an, an Italian? 
<laughs> right. Like the kind of kind of big dudes. What can I say? And on and on this goes. And the whole while during the whole two weeks is, uh, you know, the, the first two weeks, everybody's telling me, uh, you shut up, Don. This is going to go away. And I went, you don't get it. This is never going to go away. And I mean, never. Right. In all of time uh, until the powers that be currently are no longer the powers that be. This is going to keep going. Oh, no, it isn't. Shut up. It's going to, you know, we're just taking some uh, defensive measures against the virus. And I was like, it's not an attacking army, right? You don't stop it at the border or check its passport and send it on its way. That's not how this works. Uh, well, yeah, but, you know, we'll, we'll lock down and then everybody will be fine. You'll see. Uh, and about the time that we've been locked down a month, the narrative started to change on the right. Um, and they went, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't just going away. And I was, yeah! <laughs> right. you know, wait just a second here. We've been hoodwinked right. again. Right. And when the economy closures hit, suddenly everybody became real interested in the world economic forum. Um, you know, and I, I'd been hating on them as a subsection of the UN effectively for years. And I went, Oh no, we care, you know? <laughs> and it was, uh, it was bad for a while there. Um, you know, I, I talk about stuff like the average death rate of, uh, uh, well, let's call it cooties because this will still get you banned off YouTube, right? The average death rate of cooties was, or the average age of death of cooties was like five years above the average age of death in basically every Western country. Uh, and I, I get people who were like, you think the average age, like, you think that just means people die on the average age of death? And I was like, no, but averages they, but on they, average <laughs> yes because that's what an average there's, is there's like there's like a band right and they do stuff right and so if if this one is further down like this is less deadly than this and it turns out that this is just life right <laughs> like, at that point we should be okay right oh no everybody's still panicked right um and then the treatment stuff started to happen uh, you know, uh, Trump talking about stuff on TV. We oh, we should, you know, again, I don't know what gets banned from YouTube anymore. I started broadcasting exclusively on Rumble to avoid these problems, but uh, you know, he started saying, "Oh, to take this effectively over the counter stuff." Right? This was the deal stuff that you could get uh, basically anywhere. And I went, "Oh, they're never going to allow that." And everyone and their brother. Uh, th this is around the time that the uh, the lab leak theory first hits the internet. Everybody's like, Don, you need to understand it came out of a lab. And I, I don't care. Right. You need, you need to understand that where it came from, who did it, uh, why they did it. None of these things matter except the potential of why, because why will tell you what is going on in politics right now. And it is simply a massive power. And you need to understand that. You need to understand this is going to end up one of the most horrible things that we've ever done. Oh, it's not that big of a deal, but it's really important that we financed it. I went, who gives a shit? You know, what, what does that actually gain you? What, are you going to get Fauci fired? Because I don't think you're going to get Fauci fired. Oh, yeah, that's, this is how we're going to get Fauci fired. Well, how'd that turn out? Right? Um, which goes to what I'd been spending a lot of time on at the time, which is, look, we need to have this fight, and we need to actually pretend like it's a fight, even if we don't believe it. Oh, well, you know, is it really that bad? And that sort of thing. And thankfully, uh, you know, Cooties has, has turned a bunch of people to go, wow, this really is a fight. Uh, but way too late. 
right? You know, there, there was a time, uh, one, Trump's still in office. Had the whole country stood up and gone, hey, man, no, this is not a thing. Uh, he he would have stopped. Uh, I, I maintain that that is a thing simply because, again, he responded to the base. And we didn't do it. And so we got all this nonsense. And in a truly shocking turn of events, all the, you know, the, the um, big pharma that everybody on the Internet has hated basically since there's an internet that we all sat around worshiping for three weeks, right? Um, didn't like Trump either. And I was like, just, I am so shocked that this industry that he, by the way, had been hurting for quite some time, doesn't like him. Weird. And it was, it was really mind blowing for me because people that had, whether or not I disagree with you on a handful of things, doesn't matter to me. As long as you're heading the right cardinal direction, just turned on a dime and walked the other way. Right. And I went, what are you doing? You know, right. People I've been uh, talking ec- economics with for you know, three years, right. All suddenly, well, this isn't an econ problem, Don. Like, well, what are the economics of this going to be? How's that going to go if we shut down everything? Well, it doesn't matter because the, this virus is going to, it's, it's the Spanish flu, bro. It's not Spanish flu. There's not a stack of bodies in China that you can see from the moon. It's not the Spanish flu. Stop it, right? That concentration of people, you should literally be able to see it from the moon, not just figuratively, right? But it didn't matter. Everybody was afraid. Uh, Everybody uh, needed just a little little bit of TSA-type copium to to get through it. And uh, guess who was there to give it to you? You know, the powers that be. And I, I think that a serious thing happened there that nobody wants to pay attention to, which is we, we have turned a corner as a planet, uh, or at least the West, right? Because, you know, China just does whatever they want. Um, but the West as a whole turned a corner right then and there. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of proof of concept for, uh, you know, you need people scared to be able to get stuff done. Patriot Attic exists, you know. On the other hand, nothing so in your face invasive has happened in the history of the West, as far as I can I, I can't think of a single thing, right? In the history of the West that was as invasive as every single person in your house, you need to isolate your children and then testimonials of people doing it and being praised for it. I Stalin is spinning in his grave because he could not have got this done, and we did, you know. And that kind of precedent, I know, uh, Don, it's not a legal precedent. It doesn't That's matter. worse. If it was a legal precedent, yeah. you'd be like, well, okay, then we just got to change the laws and fix that. No, it's, it's a, a mental or a cultural shift where, I mean, for example, just in a sort of a, a minor issue, uh, it wasn't minor to me, but you know, I spent a few months living in Mexico City where there is no mask law, there is no max, mask mandate, and 99% of people wear masks outside, alone, walking their dogs, exercising, riding bikes. So the laws are relevant a lot of times. And in this case, the yeah, maybe whatever laws they might change in relation, doesn't none of this shit matters when the planet, like you said, has largely just been totally fucking mind warped. Yeah. And here's, here's the thing is this in a vacuum, this is bad, right? If, if there was literally existence started in what, like December of 2019 and, and we were just here now, that would be bad. However, 
go go look at these people, right? You know, when I was a kid, hand sanitizer was not a thing. It just, you know, hey, yeah, go play in the dirt. Uh, you're dirty, rub it off with some more dirt, you know. And that's just how it was. And, you know, when, I don't know, my parents were kids, it was like, uh, you played in the dirt, uh, you're not dirty enough, get back in the mud hole, right? But now, you've got hand sanitizer on every aisle, right? You've got hand sanitizer at the front of every store. You've got people carrying around bottles of stuff. And some of that existed before cooties. Yeah, like right? 0.0002% of people were a little insane and probably carried around hand sanitizer before. Right. But now, go with a nice round number of half, right? You know, and... and they have their various reasons. Oh, I don't carry this because of cooties. I carry this because, uh, I don't know, botulism exists in the dirt. Like, <laughs> turns out botulism has existed in the dirt since there's been botulism. Shut up. You know? And this, this slow mold of how you, you know, of, of people everywhere, this is the kind of thing that you do to, you know, scare the hell out of people. And when you scare the hell out of people, you get to make big moves. And uh, then the precedent in their minds is that. Every now and again, you should be really scared of something, right? And just absolutely terrified. And so when the next thing comes along to scare you, you're, you're primed and ready to go, right? You know, oh, uh, the, the, whoever, because Fauci's probably getting along towards dying these days, so he might not even see the next one. Just of old age, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's, uh, he's getting along in years, so it might be somebody else, but it's going to come along in a handful of years. And by the way, he's already doing it, right? Oh, if the next variant's dangerous, we better be prepared to mask up and lock down again. Mm. It's, it's not going away. It's, it will be added to incrementally until, uh, you know, whatever the next thing is comes along. And by the way, the limit to this is the limit of people's imagination. It's not like, oh, man, just once we have you living in the pod, then everything will be good, right? Like, fine. Live in the pod. Uh, eat the bug. Uh, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And as soon as we get there, somebody will come up with a new great idea of, I don't know, we'll make your pod 10% smaller. It'll be like taking that one you know, olive out of uh, airplane salads, right? Uh, a bunch of years ago, the guy like became a millionaire. Over. It'll be that kind of thing. You know, there, there, there will be an next incremental step. And if you don't believe that, go listen to the transhumanists right now. What are they talking about? Oh, one day we're just going to be a brain in a box and you're going to pull it out of the machine that you're in. We'll slap it into Don't need to worry about diseases anymore. Right? And once that's done, right? And let's let's say we get to this cyberpunk dystopia where everybody is just a brain in a box. Well, why do you need legs anymore? Let's just plug you into the board cube and call it a day. Right? (laughs) And, you know, it it sounds crazy, but a hundred years from now, somebody's listening to this, they're going to go, huh, you knew. You know, <laughs> and it's we just keep letting it happen over and over and over again, as though uh, somehow this time, uh, you know, when we acquiesce to the, the stupid thing that somebody comes up with, they're like, well, oh, that, that, that'll be it. Right. They just need to shut down the entire Western economy, the most powerful thing that's ever existed in all of human history uh, in the world of economics for like a month. Like, I don't know. Uh, no one will ever do that again, right? Like, notoriously, uh, people who get that kind of power just are like, you know what, thanks. Um, it was a good run. I'll see you later. 
right? And then you get stupid people say things like, well, what about George Washington? Like, you got another one? Like, one of the past two centuries, maybe? <laughs> you mentioned earlier, like, you know, yeah, maybe if enough people had stood up to this in the beginning, there there could be a way to fight this, but we're kind of past that point now. So what would you say is someone on, whether it's just someone on the right or just someone that just sees the general scope of what's been happening here and doesn't like it, <laughs> what is one to do? Do you think there is no way to really change how how things are unfolding at the global scale? And, and if there's not, then what are we to do? Just, you know, do stuff like this, talk about it, talk about it on video shows and, and just, you know, just vent about it. Or are there actionable steps that people can actually take, whether it's not to change the whole course of history, maybe, but to protect ourselves in certain ways, or maybe being in certain geographic areas or something like that. So this is not a war that will be able to be fought defensively. Uh, and if you don't believe that, I'd like you to go ask uh, the Branch Davidians. Now, you might have some difficulty doing that, uh, but I think your difficulties will incline you to why you can't fight this defensive, right? Um, and that's just how it is, right? So, unless, uh, I, don't, I don't know, the, the, the Peter Teals of the world or something are listening to this show right this very moment, for the rest of you who are not multimillionaires or billionaires or whatever, uh, that can't just go out and buy your own 5,000-acre plot and staff it with an army. Um, you're going to have to start small, like a really small. Uh, and it's not going to be fulfilling for a long time. And I speak from definitive experience on that front. Um, look, things like, uh, and, and this is going to sound ridiculous, go put together a neighborhood watch. Right. Like it's not exciting. It's not cool. Yes, you're a dorky boomer. On the other hand, you know what neighborhood watches are? Uh, a group of people who all know each other in one geographic location mm-hmm. and trust right? each other. That's the idea. Right. Now, again, you're, you're going to have a whole bunch of people who are not interested. On the other hand, self selecting process, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not interested in the general community around you? Cool. Get out. <laughs> right. Check you off the list. At least I don't need to talk to you anymore. Mm hmm. And, uh, you know, oh, Don, I don't think I could start a neighborhood watch. Cool. Uh, go start a hunting club, right? Because you know what? It turns out that uh, you're going to start out you, the other guy you know that goes hunting, and your three friends, maybe, right? So the five guys out in the middle of the woods doing hard things together. And it turns out that you get to depend on guys that you did hard things with, right? This is, this is why vets act like vets, right? Is, oh, we all did hard shit. Cool, right? And you grow that. You find more people, right? Because maybe those people don't live next door to you. But if you have to drive 15 minutes, if something horrible happens, that beats, oh, I got to drive six hours to the next state, uh, to the next, you know, county, whatever, uh, where my blood relatives are, who, let's be honest, most of us that are into this sort of thing, half of our families think we're nuts. So they're not going to be any better. Half shape would be you, great, right? a great number. <laughs> I would, I would, <laughs> right. if it was only half, I'd be ecstatic. Exactly. Right. And you know, even the ones that kind of tolerate you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the crazy mm-hmm. guy that talks about politics too much. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Uh, and, but it's gonna be starting small now, uh, Don. Uh, okay, so I've got my, you know, my 10 guys, my 20 guys, my whatever. Okay, we're going to, you're going to probably need more than that, right? Uh, show up anytime in your life uh, with 50 people to a city council meeting, right? Now, it's going to seem like a waste of time. You're probably going to have to take time off work to do it. But if you have a remotely friendly city council meeting to you, so 
if you are not the radical left and you live in San Francisco, I'm not talking. Yeah, to I was going to say this wouldn't have worked in my former home of Los Angeles, probably no matter how many guys you got on your side. Oh, uh, you know, you got a good you know, million or two strapped around the building, then they're going to be pissed yeah. um, and pay attention to what you have to say. But, you know, presumably all the rest of us are moving away from these cities as fast as we can. We're, you know, uh, I live in a county of less than 20,000 people. Wow. Whole county. County, wow. Right? That's uh, about the size of the small <laughs> town I grew up in, but county, that, that's impressive. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, look, I show up to my city council meeting with 50 people. Uh, shit, that's like 1% of the county's pissed off about something, right? <laughs> but the thing is, people don't go to city council meetings. People don't go to county meetings. People don't go to any, like, they show up for the presidential election. Uh, maybe half of those show up for the midterms, but Nobody pays any attention. It's why the school board thing is effective right now, right? People are showing up to school boards and going, what the hell is going on? And it turns out it doesn't take much, right? There, there are places where five people have effectively rooted out half of this Marxist nonsense at school boards. Five people, right? People don't show up to these things. So if you show up in force, okay, maybe they'll tell you to pound sand, and that's fine. But guess what? Turns out, this kind of small local election thing, you can't fight. Oh, Don, democracy's fake and gay. Okay, cool. Don't care. I mean, it is, but like, we can still use it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't care if the hammer is pink. Does it pound nails? <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a quote I'm going to remember. <laughs> Did you just come up with that? that, that, that that's like, I want to I see a Don, Don uh, the pleb face, you know, s- silhouette with a quote card uh, spread around with that, with that on it, with the, the pink hammer in the background. Uh, actually, I just talk like this all the time. So yes, I just came up with that. By all means, uh, put it on a meme and, and distribute appropriately. Um, but this is, people don't look at politics like that. Right? They want to be invested. They want to be, uh, more importantly, emotionally invested. And for them, this is not a long-term fight that needs to be played more like a chess game that's going to last 10 years. It needs to be played like, uh, I, I want to go out and, you know what it needs to be like is wrestling, right? And this is part of why Trump was popular because yeah. he gets wrestling, right? Man, we're just getting to the wrestling now. An hour in, this is my this is my real wheelhouse here. That's terrible because I don't watch wrestling that much anymore. In fact, basically none. Well, it's there's not yeah things of we I could do an hour about wrestling. So let's just I'll let you continue. Um, the Trump beating the C, uh, the hell out of CNN meme, right? That was yeah, yeah. that that exact moment was very vindicating for a lot of the right. Not not just ex- its existence. I mean. You know, that's very much meme culture. I think we've seen memes like that. The president tweeting that meme is what's fucking wild. Right. Right. And and him standing behind a microphone and going, enemy of the people, the, the, the mainstream media, they hate you. Right. Yes. We all know it. We know it for years. The Clinton News Network. Yeah. Trump's beating the hell out of CNN. Right. And we want that. We want that to be the governing principle of our lives. Well, go watch Idiocracy, because that's where that ends. Yeah. Shit. Things are bad. Right? Okay. I mean, by the way, now we got Kamal Harris doing exactly that, right? There's a big country, and we invade a small country. So basically, that's bad. Oh, wow, thank you. Any other foreign policy advice that we can get from you, you idiot? But, anyway, um, as to what you can do, right? So the thing about this is, and, and this, this is, nobody wants to have this low of a time preference, right? You get in there, you get the city council, 
uh, straightened out so they're not doing just whatever dumb crap, right? Uh, furthermore, city councils have a lot of power in cities. Nobody thinks so, but they do, right? Uh, all this stuff that people are, you know, oh, yeah, DeSantis, right? You, you can do that wherever you live. You can. And there's basically nobody to stop you. Um, you know, your mayor, it's going to be a fight to get your mayor replaced, but it's probably not going to be a fight to get your city council replaced, or at least not that big a one. Um, just because there's, there's not millions of dollars there. There's not hundreds of millions of dollars there. There's starting to be in some places. Uh, you know, Malkin did a, Michelle Malkin did a, uh, a thing about how that happened in Colorado. Democrat Party has just rolled in with hundreds of millions of dollars and took basically every seat in the whole mm-hmm. state. Uh, and that's how Colorado went blue. Um, but if, you know, if you, again, you live in San Francisco, not talking to you, right? You're not going to be able to just root those people out. Yeah, no. Your first step is get the fuck out. Exactly, right? Put 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 your shit in the back of your car and drive, right? And where, wherever you run out of gas outside of California, stop there and try it It's there, a better place, right? for sure. Right. And chances are good, you'll find a job that fast, right? It just You'll be good. Um, and for those of you that live in California, that's not a joke, all right? Um, yes, even now. I, le- I left a lot of people behind the lines there, so I'm still I'm still begging them to come out too. But you can only do so much, you know. Oh man, I'm I'm with you. I uh, hey man, just come out and stay with me for a while. Just you know, come come take a two week vacation out here. I'll pay for everything except ticket or your gas, uh, which I understand that suddenly is not <laughs> yeah. as good of a deal anymore. But you know, when Trump was in office and I was saying that gas was even in California it was like three dollars a gallon, um, but. You know, nobody wants to do it. Uh, well, yeah, man, we'll totally come to it, uh, I guess. Um, and I've had one person take me up. Um, and he came out in the middle of the big Texas freeze and was like, I don't know how much I like this. And I was like, <laughs> it's a once in a century storm, man. I, uh, sorry. I swear it's not always like this. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, you, you get, it doesn't even have to be that much power, right? And then you're going to need to learn to wield it effectively, right? You, you can't, you know, uh, political currency is a thing, right? So you can't, uh, uh, you know, if you, you go out to kind of a purple city, right? You take over the city council and you go, okay, so we're, we're now passing a city ordinance that uh, we're building a trebuchet in town square and we're shooting leftists at that mountain. <laughs> like, mm, maybe slow your roll a little bit, right? Um, but you get in there and you say, you know, uh, whatever, whatever your various problem is that has agitated you to doing this. now. Oh, Don, how am I going to overturn the Fed with this? You're not. Okay. Have realistic goals. That matters. Right. But you can improve the life around you mm-hmm. and start doing so. Right. Uh, and once you start doing so, people will notice. Um, some people you don't want to notice will notice. Right. Uh, the left will notice and they will come for you. Right. So the other thing you got to be doing is shoring up that power. Right. You can't have like, all these career politicians you hate, you can't be them. You can't just go, well, I live in a uh, R plus 60 district, so like I'll just do whatever I want. Uh, nope. Because the hit squads are coming, right? It'll be political hit squads, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the FBI will necessarily Waco you. Per se. They might, but not necessarily, right? And then you expand, and that's it, right? But as much as it's easy for me to just say that, what I just described is is 10 years, 15 years, right? And by the way, the adapt a strategy to wherever you live. For those of you who don't live in America, I don't know 
your politics probably as well as you do, right? You you have a I don't know the British have a, a town council that works sort of like a city council, right? Um, and you know the uh, somebody over there has a real similar thing, the Italians or something like that. Um, and look, the more corrupt country you're in, sorry, the harder it's going to be. Yeah, I get it. I'm saying that from America. On the other hand, most of our corruption is high up because that's where all the power is, right? That's where you get good concentrated power. If your your locality is uh, horrifically corrupt, right? Like if you have an open air slave market, Libya, <laughs> the town council strategy might not be the one. <laughs> right. Like you're, you're going to go down there and be like, hey, we need to get you out of power. And they're like, hey, we haven't beheaded anybody in 12 hours. You know, it, gauge accordingly. Right. You know, you, you, there are always things you can do. The big question. And again, for those of you not in the U.S., is what and where. Right. But as a general premise, for those of you in the U.S., near certain you can get your town or county seats. Right. Like I don't actually live in a city. Uh, I live 10 miles from the nearest city. So county seats are actually going to affect my life. And so that's a very doable thing. You know, no one is fighting for these things. Uh, well, in my case, there might be just because there's a bunch of cattle ranchers out here and they have got a lot of money. But. Hey, look. They're also not a problem, right? I don't need to go fight them. They're not doing stupid things. But as Texas should have taught everybody by now, oh, Don, but even in Texas, there's all the CRT and the, the city and county guys are promoting it. Go get rid of them. Well, I don't have any money. Well, look, it's not exactly the world's greatest success story, but I just spent the last uh, about year helping a guy uh, run for office down in the Midland area of Texas. Guy spent uh, $20,000 on his entire campaign. Every, every single dollar that he spent was under 20 grand. Uh, and the two guys that he was fighting against dropped a massive sum of money because he's in a decent sized city area. Um, I, I think a million each. No less, less than 20 grand. Uh, he took somewhere between 10 and 15% of the vote. Now, look. I'm a poor kid, all right? I don't have an ass load of money. Nice mic or not, right? It took me two or three years to be able to buy this mic, and solely because of the donations from the show. That's the kind of money I'm working with, right? On the other hand, most of you probably know a guy who is pissed off about something who makes a decent amount of money. And you know what? If that thing is political, and it almost certainly is, right? Hey, uh... I think that uh, we shouldn't be teaching kids fellatio at, uh, you know, second grade, which, by the way, is 90% of the country or something. Uh, well, hey, look, how about if we go get rid of the people that do that? And I'll go do it, right? You, but I need your help. And tell your friends, right? Tell the guys you work with. Tell the guys you know, right? It's very doable, but people don't want to do it. And make no mistake, it's tiring. It's stressful. It's shitty. but you want this to stop? That's how you're going to do it. You're going to have to abandon video games. You're going to have to abandon uh, you know, whatever it is that you do for leisure for a lot of the time that you probably do it for right now because it's time consuming, right? Knocking on doors, uh, hosting town halls, you know, these things are not, you just show up for an hour and talk. You know, you got to go get a place. You got to plan it out. You got to advertise the thing. It takes time and sometimes it takes money. Uh, but there are people who've done this you know, there's that guy that just dethroned the head of the Democrat Party in New Jersey, and he spent like 
you know, he's he has corrected the meme numerous times. He spent more than two hundred dollars. We spent like two grand, right? Uh, and now he has dethroned the head of the Democrat Party in New Jersey, mostly because he went on Facebook and went, "Everything we're doing is stupid, and we should do none of that." Right? That was all it took. Don, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I have I have a hard out. I could probably do this for for two more hours. So maybe we'll maybe we'll pick it up another day. But really appreciate your time. And uh, you know, more than anything else, I, I think you know, it's easy for people like us because we are always right uh, to to point out. Look, we were right about this thing. We were saying this, saying that, saying that, and only really gets us so far. But the thing I'm trying to focus the most on now with the conversations I'm having. And I think the most important part of this conversation was, was the, what can we do? Cause that's what people come to me and ask. That's what, and there isn't. And I think you really hit the nail on the head because yeah, what you laid out isn't easy, but sorry, everybody, this is a fucking shitstorm, And they're literally trying to reshape the world so that you literally own nothing. So yeah, it's going to be hard. <laughs> I mean, you, we don't have an option. We can suffer under the world that they're clearly and almost effortlessly putting into place, or we can suffer by th- some sort of action that we choose that has some chance to make our lives better. Those are the only options. And so I, I think you've laid yeah. that out pretty clearly. So before I let you go, Don, why don't you just let everybody know where they can find everything you're doing and where they can hear more from you. I know, like you mentioned, you're doing the rumble now to avoid uh, <laughs> avoid having to say things like cooties for an hour. Exactly. Uh, I am the worst brander on planet Earth, uh, and so this is this is going to be a shit show. Let me warn you in advance. Uh, Rumble.com slash plebmedia. Uh, that, that is probably the easiest one. Over on Twitter, I'm at Kilo Procurement. Over on Gab, I'm at two underscore plebs. Uh, on Getter, I am at plebmedia. Uh, <laughs> there is an Odyssey channel. There is still a YouTube channel. It's there. Uh, YouTube has effectively become advertisements for Rumble because uh, I started getting strikes for videos that weren't even published. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that started to happen to us, too. It's like, it was one thing when it was our videos, but even unlisted shows that were sh- only shared privately, we're getting, it's like, okay, they're really, they're going full full balls out on this one. Yep, and it's uh, it, it's been a disaster. Um, we should definitely do this again, because that last thing you said there, I, of course, want to say like two hours of shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we will plan a follow-up in that case but in the meantime you can check out don the pleb look my listeners are smart i like to think so they can they can find you wherever they choose to, to watch and listen to things so don thank you so much for coming on keep up the great work and as always keep on roaring brother thanks for having me man all right gang that's it for don the pleb that's it for me until next time don't forget hey Toss me a subscribe. Find that Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire feed. If you listen to the Lions of Liberty network feed, that's fantastic. Leave me a five-star rating and a great review. That would mean the world to me by just searching Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire on Apple Podcasts as well. Check out my Substack where I have not written anything due to the aforementioned road trip for some time, but I will certainly be getting back to that. Great time to catch up on the back catalog. It's called Metanoia. You can find it at markclaire.substack.com. Till next time, my friends. Live long and live free and live free and live free and live free.